how a kite might cut carbon emissions. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. The Colorado River is the lifeblood of the Southwest, supplying water for tens of millions of people in the U.S. and to Mexico. But as the region warms and flows decline, there's urgency in allocating the river's shrinking supply. Just a few months ago, Lake Mead, located on the Colorado River and the largest reservoir in the U.S., fell to a level that will trigger mandatory cuts in Arizona, Nevada, and Mexico next year. Last week, during a conference of the Colorado River Water Users Association, officials from the lower basin states of California, Nevada, and Arizona along with tribal communities, signed an agreement to reduce their intake from the lake as the region becomes drier. Under the so-called 500-plus agreement, in the next two years, the three states and the tribes will leave 500,000 acre-feet of water in Lake Mead, with cuts mainly to farmers who will be compensated. The agreement comes as a new report claims that Colorado, Utah, and New Mexico in the upper basin are likely using more Colorado River water than legally allowed. The nonprofit Utah Rivers Council says those three states are not adequately addressing needed reductions and that taxpayers should not be fooled by leaders proposing new water diversions such as the Lake Powell pipeline that would send water from the Colorado River to southwestern Utah. The greatest threat to raise global sea levels this century is the melting of a glacier in Antarctica. Scientists have found that the ice shelf holding back the Thwaites Glacier has cracks on both its top and bottom as it melts from warming waters. At the current rate of change, the researchers say this critical shelf will begin to break apart within the next two decades and could happen sooner, leaving the glacier exposed. The collapse of the glacier, which is roughly the size of Florida, would put millions of people living in coastal cities in danger of extreme flooding. According to Aaron Pettit, a researcher who spoke to NPR, planners should be thinking about impacts to coastal communities as even a centimeter of sea level rise gets amplified along shorelines making high tides higher, storm surges bigger, and erosion greater. The collapse of the Thwaites would also destabilize other Antarctic glaciers, which could drag more ice into the ocean and raise sea levels even higher. Nearly two years into the COVID-19 pandemic, vaccines offer the best protection against contracting the disease. But for some people, such as those with compromised immune systems, treatments using monoclonal antibodies are a way to prevent hospitalization. Now, researchers at the University of Wisconsin-Madison have found that antibodies from sharks were able to block the COVID-19 virus from causing infection. The effectiveness of shark antibodies looks to be because of their size, which are one-tenth of those found in people. That allows them to pack tightly together in nooks and crannies of a virus spike protein to prevent it from attaching to human cells. In the lab, antibodies from nurse sharks were also able to completely neutralize a coronavirus currently found only in bats but capable of infecting people. The researchers say that developing therapies with shark antibodies now could be a kind of insurance against future outbreaks circulating in animals. The shark antibody therapies will need to be tested in people and are probably years off from being available. Meanwhile, the team is also studying them for use in the treatment and diagnoses of various cancers. 
And finally, the shipping industry is criticized for its massive environmental impact, from running on dirty bunker fuels that contribute to greenhouse gas emissions to being overladen with containers that sometimes fall in the sea. While it seems cargo ships just can't catch a break, they might be about to catch the wind. The latest effort to decarbonize the industry involves installing kites on ships to move them along. The Norwegian company Airseas will start testing voyages next month using its so-called Sea-Wing technology, a kite over 5,000 square feet wide sent over 600 feet in the air to pull a ship across the Atlantic. Now, if you're thinking, isn't this just sailing and have we come full circle back to the days of tall ships? No, the company says. The vessels will still have engines, but the kites, which are based on parafoil technology, will reduce fuel consumption and the ships will spew less carbon into the atmosphere. Computer technology will move kites around to maximize capture of wind energy and the sea wing will launch at the touch of a button. If all goes well, the company says a larger sea wing could cut fuel costs by 20% and reduce carbon emissions by over 5,000 tons depending on the route. Given that some analysts predict cargo volumes could grow by as much as 130% by 2050, those packages might ride like the wind. That's it for this week in water. Listeners put the wind in our sails through their support. Join them at h2oradio.org and thank you.